think we might get some, get a lot of it. Well, that was great, wasn't it? It was good to uh, have a look already into uh, one of, uh, I suppose, one of the best-known stories in the Old Testament of the Bible, the story of Daniel. Um, and uh, as Lou said, uh, we too are thinking about this whole question, where is God when we're scared, whether our legs turn to jelly or whatever it is that happens in our bodies when we're scared. I won't go there. You'll know different things we do. Where is God? What do we do? How do we react uh, to that? Uh, you'll find the story in the Old Testament in, on page 890, 890 in the church Bibles. If you're using your own Bible, well, I guess the way to find Daniel is by Go Psalms, Proverbs, and you'll find Daniel after that as you wander through the Old Testament. Now we're going to look inside this story and try and, you know, we, we've heard it, we've seen what it's about, but to, to kind of get there for ourselves and, and, and kind of live it together. It's actually brilliantly told in, the, in Daniel 6. If you get a chance just to sit down and, and read the way it's written, it, it's absolutely brilliant. And the main kind of points just plop out of it very, very easily. You know, it's hard to miss the main point of Daniel chapter 6. hope I don't do that now, but anyway, you can judge that for yourselves. So let's start off by reading verses 1 to 3. Um, it's pretty much as Lou told it. She had a little bit of embellishment there, as you might imagine, but uh, it's, it's all here in the Bible. Let's read it. It, it, it pleased uh, Darius the king to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole of his kingdom. We're in the empire uh, that had been Babylon, that became um, uh, the Assyrian Empire, uh, and we're in the world of the political thriller. If you uh, like that kind of stuff, you like those kind of movies or those books, you know, Michael Dobbs, if, is it Michael Dobbs? Yeah, he wrote that book, House of Cards, and people like him. This is the world that this story is about, the world of politics, the world of power. And uh, there are two main characters, as we've already seen in this story. The first one is the king, who we are told here in Daniel chapter 6 is King Darius. Probably, almost certainly, King Cyrus, as he's also known in history and in the Bible. And this king is the chief executive officer and the founder of the biggest empire in history so far. He was big. His, his territories, as Lou said, he had palaces all over the place because his territory extended from Libya. We know where Libya is. We've seen that on our screens enough time on maps. Right the way through, uh, up, up northwards to the edge of Turkey, to the, to the Bosphorus there. Uh, right the way across uh, uh, kind of Central Asia to Kazakhstan. The Aral Sea was in his empire. Right down to the Indus River, which is in Pakistan. And all the way back through you know, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia and stuff. Right the way across the Middle East. He was a big guy. He was a powerful man. He was the top dog. 
And he was very good at being king, as we see. Uh, that's what this little bit of information about. He's got a superb uh, uh, administrative system. They call them satraps. It's a great uh, civil service idea. Lots of people kind of under him ruling uh, and then uh, administrators above them. And Daniel is one of these administrator. So that's the first character, Darius, or Darius as he used to be called, Darius the king. Who's the next person? Well, it's Daniel, isn't it? Daniel is a believer, as we heard. He loves God. He's come to Babylon as an exile. He was carted off uh, maybe 50, 60 years earlier, uh, or less than that. We don't quite know how old he is at this point, but he's probably an older man. Uh, He was taken as a captive, and you know the story in the book of Daniel. He's set to be trained in in all the law and everything of the Babylonian Empire. And he's stood for God distinctively all through that time. He's done very well. Now he's at the top of government. He's about to become the number two in the kingdom. No wonder people didn't like him, as as we saw in in the way Lou told the story. And he had these exceptional qualities. We read about them in verses 1, 2, and 3. So there we have Darius and Daniel in this world. But this is a scary world. The world of politics, if some of you live there or work there, is not an easy world to live. Actually, it's not just the politics. This whole issue about the way power is exercised and it's going to get a whole lot scarier. There's jealousy. People are jealous of Daniel. There are plots There's this kind of idea, there's manipulation going on, you know, people trying to get round the king and flatter him and and trick him into losing his power, as we shall see. And of course, there are lions too. So it's not just the lions that make it scary, it's a pretty scary situation. Let's read what the Bible says about this plot uh, in verse 4. We read that the administrators and the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So where is his weak spot? Well, he doesn't seem to have one. He's not negligent. He's not corrupt. He's not incompetent. As we saw, only could they get him in the area of his God. And so they do it. As we saw, they persuade, and we won't read these verses, but they persuade the king to go divine, as it were, for a month. He must have thought, well, it's only a month. Maybe he knew Daniel was godly. Maybe he knew it would have implications for the people in his empire, but... He just got flattered and thought, well, yeah, why shouldn't I be God for a month? You know, they pray, you know, they pray for everyone else 12, the other 11 months of the year. Maybe they could pray for, to me for, a, for one month. We don't know what's going on. But we do know that the government brings in a law that means that the believers are restricted. It's really difficult for them. The government brings in a law that says everything must be for me, the government. Nothing else can stand beside me. Your allegiance is to the government only. That's what the law says. And if you are are loyal, if you love anything else more than that, you're in trouble. Sound familiar? It's happening in some parts of the world today. Where the government says, you do what we say. You can't do this. You can't meet. You can't worship. If you're, if you're saying Jesus is more important than the government, then we'll put you in jail. Just like they did in the days of the early church. 
when the believers were, were saying, Jesus is Lord, and it, we've got it on our wall here, Jesus Christ is Lord, that's one of the earliest statements that Christians made about their belief in Jesus. And they said it at a time, actually, when the government was saying, Caesar is Lord. And if you said Jesus Christ is Lord at the time when the government was saying the government is Lord, you got in trouble. And you still do in some parts of the world today even. So there's this plot against Daniel. It's really, really scary. So when Daniel finds out about it, what does he do? Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel had learned that the decree had been published, and, and as Lou said, you know, once the, you read it in the text, once the law had been made, it couldn't be changed. You see, that's why they were so clever in their plot. So when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. What does Daniel do? He does what he's been doing for years. Ever since he got to Babylon, three times a day he's prayed towards Jerusalem. Because as he prayed, he was saying, there's something more important to me than Babylon. There's something more important to me than the government of the king I serve. The government of God and for him it was symbolised in Jerusalem, is more important than the government. And he carried on doing what he'd always done. Because for Daniel, his relationship with God came before everything else. Home was not Babylon, it was God's city, Jerusalem, for him. Babylon was a temporary phase for him and his people. And you know, the New Testament tells us that we need to live like that too. Where we are now is a kind of temporary face. Our home is somewhere else. Our allegiance is to the Lord who's bought us, as we thought last week. Now, what does Daniel pray? Well, we read it in verse 10. He gives thanks to God. So he sees who the Lord is. He understands what God can do. He's got this awareness that God is God, and, and that means something to him, not just a vague idea. And then he goes on, it says, to ask God for help. He asks God for help. He says, God, I know that you're God, I know that you're Lord, and I know you can help. (laughs) And that's what he's doing, and he's been doing that for years. Now, that's what Daniel does when he finds out. What does Darius do when he finds out what's going on? Well, the plotters come to the king, and they point him out, they point out the law. They come and say, oh, by the way, your majesty, may you live forever, remember that law you signed that cannot be changed. Well, Daniel, he's broken it, as we saw And what happens when the king discovers how he's been tricked? Let's look at verse 14. When the king... Sorry, verse 14, where am I? Yeah, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And then the men went as a group and they told him about the laws. And then verse 16, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den... The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. 
How does the king react? He's distressed. It says he's really, really scared. How different this is to Daniel, actually. I know Daniel must have been scared, and I'm sure his legs did get turned to jelly. Whose wouldn't when you know you go get thrown into a lion's den? But but the story is telling us that actually Darius seems to be more scared than Daniel, isn't he? He's the one who's distressed. And he tries to find a way to get Daniel out of it all day until the suns go down. The most powerful world in the uh, sorry, the most powerful man in the world is now completely powerless. He can't do anything about it. He tries all day. He tries to figure a way. He calls the lawyers. He calls the chief justice or the district or, or the chief attorney or whatever it is, and he says to him, "How can we get?" It? And he says, "There's no way. It's, you can't do anything about it." So he tries to call in this favour, that favour. Can we do something about you know, getting him out of the, of the den of lions? No, they say, because we've sealed it with two seals. Your ring is on it and the official's ring is on it. You can't break it, it's doubly sealed. You, everyone would know, you, you, you'd rat it and the Lord been broken and bloody, bloody, But He tries everything he can to do something about it. He's powerless. He's sleepless. He's distracted. There's no entertainment for him. He couldn't even watch The X Factor or Strictly Come Dancing. You know, he was so worried about Daniel in the lion's den. He's utterly fallen apart, hasn't he? And he's Darius, the king. But there's one thing else that happens to him. He also prays. Do you notice that? Verse 16. If that isn't a prayer, I don't know what is. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Two men. One should be terrified and is simply trusting the Lord. The other one, who's powerful enough not to have a fear in the world, is absolutely falling apart. Sleepless. Now, when it gets really scary for us in these kind of ways, when we're powerless, when we're trapped, when we're manipulated, when we're threatened, who are we like? Are we like Darius? Or are we like Daniel? Darius is desperate, terrified, trying, trying frantically to, to fix it all himself, to find some way out of the mess. Coming to God with a kind of second-hand prayer, you know, uh, you're not my God, you're, you're may God, you know, your God, Daniel, would he rescue you? It's a kind of, you know, he's not my God, but I'll kind of pray to him because I'm in such a state and uh, perhaps he'll hear me. Are you like that? Or are, are you, am I like Daniel? who served God, it says, continually, who prays out of this relationship with God. This isn't Daniel's first day with God. He's been walking with him since the day he arrived in Babylon and before. He's he's sought to have this kind of ongoing friendship, obedience and love and devotion to God right through his life, every day, in the whole of his life, in his work. That's why uh, he was uh, 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 where he was in that sense. Are we like that? There's no substitute for steadily walking with the God we serve. Well, what happens next is a bit of a cliffhanger. We've left the king. You know, what's going to happen now? Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, you can just imagine it. He's not been asleep uh, all uh, all night. As soon as it's light, he's out there, down to the lion's den. Uh, Hurry to the lion's den. When he came near, he called to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answers, O king, live forever. And he tells him about how he's been rescued. I love the way Daniel, you know, Daniel, when he, he said, are you all right, Daniel? You see this flustered king, you know, absolutely desperate, you know, you know, you know kind of 
had a rex night, you know, kind of calling out, is it okay, Daniel? And Daniel's kind of, oh, king, live forever. You know, that's how you always address the king. Daniel's still ever the kind of faithful public servant. Just another day at the office for him, it seems. <laughs> Again, the, the contrast there. Because Daniel is trusted in his God, and, and God has intervened and rescued him. Now, this story isn't really just about the rescue of Daniel. It's about how Darius gets to know God. You notice that. How we trust God when we're scared can have a massive impact on the people around us. And if one of the people around us happens to be the most powerful person on the earth, it's going to have quite an impact. Whether well, you've ever thought about that. How we are, just as we walk with God through the tough times, the difficult times, with honesty, with you know, integrity, asking God for help, thanking God for who he is, just carrying on. Have you ever thought of the impact that might be having on the people around you? Darius has been touched by it, and we know that, because he issues a decree. And it's there in verse 26. He says, I issue a decree in every part of my kingdom. And Darius kind of makes another law about this God who Daniel trusts. Darius makes this law rather. Let's read it here in verse 26 as we come to an end, because we're just shutting down about now. Children will be back in a minute. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. What's this God like? He is the living God. The living God. Let's remember that, that when we're scared. If we know the Lord Jesus, if, if we've given our life to him, if we've been rescued by him, then the God we serve and trust is living. He's not dead, he's alive. He's living. Whatever happens to us, God is still the living God. Let's read on. And he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. This God endures forever. You know the, the, the stock phrase, whenever they talk to the king, it was what? O king, live forever. The king says, this God endures forever. King saying, there's a bigger king than me. That's what the king Darius is saying. And you know, when we're in trouble, we need to realize that this God, who we serve, is bigger than the king. He's bigger than my circumstances. He's He's bigger than what's going on to me. Uh, although he doesn't, in a sense, make everything happen to me as it happens, the world's far more complicated than that. Nothing that does happen to me is out of the scope and power of his love and his ability to work for good in it all. God is enduring forever. He's bigger than the king. And then lastly, he rescues and saves, verse 27. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the lions. The God, this God rescues. This God can intervene. This God can do only what is possible for him to do. And it's not just in the heavenly realms, it touches the earth as well. And that's why Daniel could trust him, and that's why we can too. Darius got to see this Lord at work in Daniel's life. Let's pray that people see that for us. Let's also think maybe some of you have been in that position. Maybe you are now. You've seen God at work in someone else's life. And it's uh, uh, unmistakable. And uh, maybe like 
Darius, you've been doing a little bit of what I might call second-hand praying, you know. Asking the God who your friend worships and serves, if he might help you out a bit, or whatever it is. Well, the, the news that this story is telling is, is that you, like Darius, can move on from there to get to know this God better. You can get to know that he can rescue you because of what Jesus has done. So, you know, if you're ready for that, why not sign up to Christianity Explored? It's a way of getting on that journey, finding out more, day by, uh, week by week. Um, give your name to David and Jane at the welcome desk afterwards, and they'll sign you up, and there's a six-week uh, evenings, yes, six weeks of evenings, once a week, to, to look into it. Or if you're ready to just pray a prayer that says to God, God, I, I don't want you to be a second-hand God anymore. I want you to rescue me. I want to start this new life following you. Then come down, talk to somebody down here. There's a prayer team, and they'll be able to pray with you. Or if you want anything else that you want to pray over, do that as well. So let's, you know, when it's scary, who are we going to be like, Daniel or Darius? Let's be like Daniel, those of us who know Jesus and follow him. Let's not be, not be intimidated. Let's carry on, carry on looking to our God for help, thanking him for who he is. But if we're like Darius, move towards him. Respond to his love for you. We're going to sing a song that talks about God's, uh, at least I think it's this one, the Lord's my shepherd. <laughs> okay. It's uh, the, the way God is like a shepherd to us. He looked after Daniel, didn't he? And he can look after us too. So let's uh, sing it after the introduction. And uh, the boys and girls should be back with us soon. Thank you.